Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Amen, amen. What a privilege to be in his house, in his presence on this night. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to join me in the book of Jude. I'm going to read the third verse of the book of Jude. And then we're going to turn our attention to the 16th chapter of the book of 1 Corinthians. And uh, we'll just hang out there for a little while tonight. But the book of Jude, I'd like to read one verse here. Amen. What a privilege to know that we are in the will of God tonight, in his presence and in his Spirit is here tonight to confirm what we're doing. The book of Jude, Jude 3, the scripture says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. Amen. Earnestly contend for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. Now, in all honesty, we may have a long list of reasons that would readily come to our minds as to why we are here tonight. Our minds could go all the way back in time to the moment we repented of our sins or were baptized or perhaps the moment, the occasion that received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And those are all wonderful and notable moments we could think about and talk about the characters of Scripture and the writers who have written to us under the inspiration of the, Holy, of the Holy Ghost, and that would be correct. But I believe what boils down for each and every one of us in a more personal measure is the reason we're here tonight is because we had some faithful people to follow. Somebody ahead of us, somebody before us, were earnest in their desire to serve God. They didn't just get caught up in a moment in a meeting somewhere, but something got settled in their heart a long time ago, and their faithfulness impacted our lives and continues to impact our lives. And so I, tonight, with the help of the Lord, I just want to talk about the faithful. I'm thankful that I have some faithful people in my life. You can be seated, and God bless you tonight. Our lives were never intended to be lived in isolation. And I think that should be apparent from uh, even Scripture where the, the Scripture says that the Lord set up the solitary into families. And so we are born into a family in the most literal sense. And when we're brought into this world, it certainly goes without saying, but we were the epitome of being helpless. We could do nothing for ourselves. And so God understands that. And so he placed children, newborn children, into a family. And that was God's design. And it is God's design that we would have both a mother and a father that we could learn how to identify in life and learn how to, to, uh, to measure ourselves and how to grow. 
In fact, there, uh, the fact that there are single-parent families is a reality in our world, of course. And so I think that's why it's important for not only the church, but for others in their lives to, to uh, step up close to the plate and do everything that they can and we can to help try to raise their children. I'm thankful uh, for the, the, the men and the ladies in our church that, that help in situations like that. To, 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 they're not trying to assert themselves into that, but they're trying to bring balance, and I appreciate that. Marriage is put forth in Scripture as a symbol of a relationship between Christ and the church. So we see that analogy all throughout the Word of God. And God intends for us to live in a community. And Jesus established a community to carry on his work in establishing the work of God and the kingdom of God on the earth and that entity that God established is the church. The Apostle Paul here in his letter to the Corinthians ends his letter. And in the concluding words of his letter, or in the concluding verses of this letter, he names a number of individuals that were a part of the ministry that Paul was, uh, that Paul was working with and ministering to in the New Testament church. And it was at this point in the letter that he wanted to give some recognition, closing credits, if you please. Often we're tempted to kind of skip past lists in Scripture, and you don't have to say amen to plead guilty there, but we kind of get to those lists and we skip right on through, but they're, they're, they're mentioned on purpose. We can assume sometimes in our reading it's just a formal way of ending the letter or a formal way to close out, and perhaps there's no practical value there for us but I don't believe that's always the case. I don't certainly believe it's the case in the Word of God. I believe that one of the most profound statements it makes to us as individuals, as Paul concludes his letter and starts talking about the people that are a part of what he is doing, it reminds us that we do not live within the context of our Christian life individualistically. We are not here to just do our own thing. While we, each individual, must make a personal commitment to God and we must run the race that is set before us, but I believe that we are called to live out that individual call within the context of the local church. God has given to all of the church varying gifts and ministries, but that's not so that we can just go do our own thing. That is to be lived out played out, worked out, if you please, in the context of the local church. This, the local church, is the backdrop that God has chosen to bring all of us to maturity. I've always been a little mystified by people on earth that can't get along that somehow think you're going to morph into something else in heaven and just rejoice together hand in hand while we sing Kumbaya. The, the backdrop of the church is where we learn how to work it all out. Amen. I firmly, I firmly believe that a Christian can only grow to a full Christian maturity in the context of the local church. We need the ebb and the flow. We need the iron sharpening iron. Sadly, I've met way too many people that are just floaters. And they have no church that they can truly identify themselves with or no church can identify themselves with them because they are just vacillating here and there. But only in the church can we learn some of the most essential lessons that will enable us to deal 
with a nature that helps us to demonstrate true and unselfish love. I'd like to consider this text this evening in 1 Corinthians 16. And I'm just going to begin reading about verse 5. We'll read a few scriptures and, and then talk about them as we go. But Paul writes this. He said, Now I will come unto you when I shall pass through Macedonia, for I do pass through Macedonia. Then he says, And it may be that I will abide. Yea, and winter with you, that ye may bring me on my journey whithersoever I go. For I will not see you now by the way, but I trust to tarry a while with you, if the Lord permit. And so there's two phrases here that I would like to pause for just a moment. And I'll come back to that later. But he said, it may be that I will abide with you. And then he says, I'm going to tarry for a while, not just a short period, but I want to tarry for a season if the Lord permit. Then he says, I will tarry at Ephesus until Pentecost for a great door and effectual is opened unto me and there are many adversaries. Then he says, if Timotheus come, see that he may be with you without fear. For he worketh the work of the Lord also, as, also I, as, as I also do. Let no man therefore despise him, but conduct him forth in peace, that he may come unto me. For I look for him with the brethren. In verse number 12, he says, as touching our brother Apollos. I greatly desired him to come unto you with the brethren, but his will was not at all to come at this time. But he will come when he shall have a convenient time. Now there's a lot of reading. It's a pretty wordy reading there. But Paul is a great example of a man that was on a mission for God. He was certainly and fully devoted to the work of God and to seeing forth what God had placed in his heart. He was a man that had a vision and he realized I don't have time to waste. Of course, Paul's calling to the ministry was later in his life. And so he realized that every day was a gift of God. Every moment was a treasure that I've got to use and I've got to use it wisely. He understood my days are numbered. And so he tells us that we should redeem the time. Be very careful not to waste time. That's something you'll never get back. Practical portions of scripture like this I think are incredibly important because they give us a glimpse into the day-to-day -day routine ministry life of the Apostle Paul. It's a glimpse behind the scene as to how things play out. He knew that he needed to come to Corinth and he knew that he needed to spend some time with them. So he said, I'm, my plans are taking me to go through Macedonia. And he said, when I do that, that's going to give me a wonderful opportunity to come by and be with you. And I want to tarry with you. But notice he qualifies that by what I was pausing to say a moment ago. He said it may be. It may be. Indicating that there has to be some flexibility built into my schedule here. Because I am a man on a mission doing the work of God. Amen. He didn't want to just have a passing through visit. He knew that he needed to spend some time with them. But he also understood this one important thing, that my schedule is not my own. My day doesn't belong to me. My tomorrow is not a promise. And so I just want you to know that this is my plan. I'm going this way, and I would like to come by. But he knew I can only do this if the Lord permits Paul was a driven man, a very focused man. I've, I've read through his epistles many times, and one of the things that I always walk away 
is how extremely focused the Apostle Paul was on the mission at hand. He wasn't meandering and diverting here and there, but he stayed focused on the primary goal of what God had called him to do. He was a man that knew he was serving God's purposes and not his own. Therefore, he had to remain flexible to the leading of the Spirit. I'm going to be here if the Lord wills. And so I believe that we do need to be driven. And I believe that we do need to have a vision about what God would do in our life and to press forward. But I also believe that we have to be, rely, or we have to be pliable to the will of God. I've said many times that we never come to church uh, anytime, Sunday or Wednesday, we never come to church without a plan. This is what we're going to do. This is the songs we're going to sing. Believe it or not, we decide up front what key we're going to sing them in. Because I've been in atmospheres where that was decided as we went. <laughs> but we decide what, what key we're going to sing that in. We know, the speakers know, in, at least in, in part, what they're going to preach. Something is there. But we also understand something much more important than the song, the key, the speaker, and the sermon is the will of God. Amen. Across our church schedules uh, years ago, I put, unless the Lord moves otherwise. Amen. This is our plan. Unless the Spirit of God takes us in another direction, this is what we're going to do. But underneath all of this, amen, it's very symbolic. Underneath all of this is the will of God. And if God takes us in another direction and you don't get to sing, we'll get around to that later. It may be another day, another week, another month. If we don't get around to that message today, then we'll get to that somewhere down the road. Most of all, we need to have some flexibility built into what the Spirit of the Lord is doing. Amen. We need to see that we're involved in something bigger than our own purpose. And, and we need to understand that we don't have time to waste. So I've got to be about my father's business. I've got to be about his business. But in all of that, we need to do the work of God in God's way and in God's time. We need to do God's work. We need to do it God's way and we need to do it in God's time. Now, there have been times, only because I've lived long enough to look back in the rearview mirror, there have been times that if I had surged forward when I felt like surging forward, I would have not been in God's time. Amen. It may have been the will of God for me to do something, but it wasn't the time of God for me to do it. And so if it wasn't God's time, then it would not have happened in God's way. And so I think it is so imperative that we understand that I need to do God's work, but I need to do it God's way and in God's time. And so just because I feel like a racehorse in the gate waiting for it to open doesn't mean if it opened I would be ready for what God is trying to put in me here and now. I will tell you this, that taking time to stop and pause at the end to sharpen the sword is never, ever wasted time. Never wasted time. Amen. And so notice that he says there is a great door, an effective door that is open for me. And so he had to decide to stay at Ephesus in order to take advantage of that opportunity. I find it also interesting that he just, as a footnote, I mean you could just read right, you could just read right past this because he sure doesn't capitalize on it. 
He just says an effectual door at Ephesus is open for me and I just need to take advantage of that. And then just as a byword, he just says, and there are many adversaries. He didn't start naming and blabbing and talking about what all it was. But I want to know, I believe that we should look at that and realize that, that along the way, with every opportunity God gives us, for every opportunity we've ever prayed for God to make available to us comes a certain opposition to hinder and to frustrate us going forward. Amen. There is always something that can hinder. I've said many times that man cannot stop the will of God, but man can frustrate the will of God. And so we need to understand that with every opportunity God provides for us, there will be some measure of opposition that comes along with that. But if we really want to do the word of God, work of God, then don't be surprised when opposition comes. He mentions Timothy as the one who is carrying on the work of the Lord together with him. And then, so kindly and admirably, he validates Timothy's ministry, instructing them to receive him. He said, when he comes, I want you to receive him and receive him in peace. Then he turns his attention to Apollos, who had also ministered with them. And even though Paul had strongly urged him to go there, apparently Apollos was unwilling to drop everything that he was doing to go and uh, he said, I'll just go at another time. I'll go at a more convenient time. We kind of just see the human dynamics play at play right there, don't we? Some that had the opportunity and stepped right in. And some said, well, I'll do it later. I'll do it when I get around to it. I've heard certain people say, well, I'll do that when I feel led to do that. Well, some things you can't feel led to do. Some things are just a part of the moment. And you got to step into that moment. Amen. And so if, if we have a passion for the work of God, here's what I really think. When you have a passion for the work of God, God's going to have a harder time holding you back than pushing you forward. <laughs> Amen. If you've got a passion to do something. In the, in the 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 13, the Bible says, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit ye like men, be strong, let all your things be done with charity. And so here's a, a, a list of instructions. Watch Stand fast, quit you like men, be strong, and let all things be done with charity. I think another important principle that has to be followed in the work of God is that our faithfulness needs to be followed with a spirit in us that refuses to compromise, that we're just going to stand no matter what. Notice the exhortations he gives in these verses. We can't afford to forget, number one, that we are in war. We are in spiritual battle. And so Paul exhorts us to be on guard and to stand. He never forget that we have a spiritual enemy that is relentless. The Bible says, as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Additionally, he said that we need to stand in the faith. Don't let anything move you away from what you know to be true. Amen. I will say it again. A man is never a man with an experience is never at the mercy of someone that only has an argument. Amen. So I will say, Lord, help me to be relentless and hold on and stay fast to that that I know is true. I need to trust God when I don't understand what he's doing. 
Amen. Anybody ever had to walk through those seasons in your life? God didn't fill in and color in every little corner, but we trusted him even when he didn't, we didn't understand what he was doing. And we were able to do that because of God's faithfulness in our past. He's never failed me. He's never been late. He's never been out of key. Amen. God has been certainly, if he has been so faithful to me in my past and in my present, he is more than capable of being faithful to me in my future. And so knowing that we are in a battle, I believe that we must be men and women of courage. However, courage doesn't mean that is the absence of fear. Sometimes we march courageously forward when our heart is beating in our chest. There is a measure of fear. Amen. There's a measure of concern and should be. Courage is doing what we know we need to do in spite of the fear that may be present. And so that's why the Apostle Paul tells us to be strong. In the opening chapter of the book of Joshua, over and over, in the, in, the, in the first nine verses, God tells Joshua to be strong and of good courage. Be strong and of good courage. Why? Because God was sending him on a high and holy mission, but it was not going to be without loss of life. It was not going to be without bloodshed. It was not going to be without even the spirit of fear. But he said, be strong and be courageous and be fit. Amen. God knew that he was going to need all the courage that he could muster. And can I tell the church tonight, amen, that we need to be strong and we need to have courage and we need to take heart. We need to emphasize that. Amen. We need to emphasize that what we're doing is a worthy cause and what we're standing for is worthy of standing. We need to be strong and courageous as much today as any time in history because the Christian church is under attack. And you don't have to look very far to realize that. Amen. More so perhaps now than at any other time in modern history is the Christian church under attack. And so we need to be on guard and to stand firm and to let our faith be played out every day in our life. Not just now and then or when we are together, but let our faith be played out every day. I must show courage and I must show strength in our faith in the Lord. And then in, in the, the same chapter, verse 15, the Bible says, I beseech you, brethren, ye know the house of Stephanus, that it is the first fruits of Achaia, and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. That's probably one of the coolest lines in all the New Testament, if you ask me. They have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints, that ye submit yourselves unto such and to everyone that helpeth us and laboreth. Paul continues to write about those who made up the difference in what others could not do. Those that were just standing in the gap. Those that were stepping up when it called, when it was time to just step up. Amen. He portrays the church as a fabric that is so interwoven until it becomes one. A lot of single threads Thousands and even tens of thousands or millions of single threads are woven in to make one. And so I believe as children of God, we are called to work together in one common way of sharing the message of Jesus Christ with the whole world. And so passages like we are focusing on now serve to remind us that it was just more than a few talented people that it, that it took more than just a few talented people to get the job done. There were people working behind the scenes. There were people doing all manner of things. And if we are not careful, it is so easy for us to focus on the superstars of the church. Amen? 
and forget that there are people behind the scenes. There are people that are doing things that are not seen and known and heard of all men. Amen. We don't need to uh, have this superstar mentality about anything. Amen. They in the church of Corinth, and that's why Paul is addressing it. They had they had preacher religion. That's what we call it today. Because some were of Paul and some were of Apollos and others were of Cephas, which was Simon Peter. And so, well, if they're doing it, then I want to go. And if they're not, then I don't want to do it. He said, you don't need to have some superstar in your mind. Amen. We need to realize that there's something beyond a superstar mentality. We need to have heroes to look up to. There's nothing wrong with that. Amen. That's not altogether a bad thing. There are people that have impacted our lives and molded our lives and shaped our lives. But we don't need to make them stars. Amen. Amen. The bold faith and the sacrifice of people like the Apostle Paul and Simon Peter and other early church martyrs and even contemporary ministries of our day, they give us powerful and incredible accurate examples that we can emulate in our lives. Nothing wrong with that, but we need to keep that in balance. But the work of the church, hear me, is too great for just one person or one personality. The work of the church is not about one person, one man, one one group of people. Amen. There is no superstar. Amen. We need everybody on deck. We need everybody to show up. Amen. We need to be a part of what God is wanting to do in this day. And so if we're to see what God is really wanting to do, there must be the recognition of our interdependence upon one another. Can I tell you that you, you, I hope, I trust and pray that your presence in this church is affirmed. Amen. That you are and feel important because it's not just the people holding the mic or the people that are standing on the stage or the people that are holding a Bible or teaching a class or the people that have a title. But I'm going to tell you that every person in the work of God is an important and intricate thread that is woven in to the whole. Praise God. Amen. And so notice the people that the Apostle Paul is mentioning in this chapter. He's not just merely mentioning people at random, but he's pointing out those that have been work, working as a part of the team that made the whole work possible. He mentions the household of Stephanus, who were not only the first converts, but they also devoted themselves to the service of the saints. The scripture says they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Amen. That is an in-reach ministry. They've addicted themselves to the minister to the saints of God, to minister to the household of faith. These were people that we should emulate and submit to. They're not just people that were involved in the work of the, God, of the kingdom of God when it was convenient, but these were people that poured themselves. They were addicted to the ministry of the saints. I believe that terminology teaches us that they were, they were given their whole heart to the effort and the labor. People like this served to encourage Paul because he knew that they were there to supply what he needed. And we need people like that in the church. As a matter of fact, we need to be people like that ourselves in every aspect. And so is it any wonder that he would go on to say these people, they deserve recognition because they are the true heroes. People who work behind the scenes, making sure whatever is lacked is supplied, making sure that whatever is needed or necessary is right there. Those are the people that are incredibly important to the kingdom of God, not just the more visible ones. You know, in the days before um, cell phones and 
and uh, instant communication like we have today. I'm going to ask, I'm going to take a poll here. <laughs> How many people have ever been, you know, you're going somewhere and there's several carloads of people that are going somewhere so you kind of like follow the leader and you were going down and all of a sudden the leader got turned around. And so the next news you know, you're kind of going down this four-lane highway and the people you're following, you just see they're going by this way. And it always seemed to be followed by a funny stare and their shoulders just shrugging. Like, you know. And so now all 27 cars in the caravan, you got to find the turnaround. Everybody's going. <laughs> I'll just say this. Anybody can get lost. But when I was in those situations, from that point forward, from the U-turn forward, I never followed them with the same measure of confidence <laughs> that I was following them before. Like before, it's like, I got this. And they're doing things like this, motioning. And so like good little ducklings, we all just got in a line. And then all of a sudden, something happened. Shrug our shoulders, grin. We'll figure this out. Everybody just stay in line and keep up. But we never follow with the same measure of confidence. Because if the leader's lost... <laughs> If the leader's lost, we're all in trouble. So Paul concludes this letter. Greetings from the churches in, in Asia. Remember now, and, and I'm, I'll ask our musicians to come, but I want you to remember something here. That when Paul is closing out, and these names that are being mentioned, if you would just do me one favor, remember this. That Paul is not referring to institutions. Paul is talking about people. Men and women, warm blood coursing through their veins. He's talking about flesh and blood. He's talking about people. So he says, greetings also from Aquila and Priscilla. So who's Aquila and Priscilla? They were a husband and wife team. That were used in many important ways. Aquila and Priscilla didn't just know the word of God well enough for themselves. But Aquila and Priscilla knew the word of God well enough to teach others. You never hear anything about Aquila and Priscilla worldwide ministries. But they just knew how to succinctly teach the word of God to others. They opened their home as a place where the church could meet. And people were meeting there. They weren't just meeting for chips and dip. They were meeting there for the word of God. And so when Paul mentions that the church meets at their house, that should remind us that for many, 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 many years, the church didn't have a building to come to like we do tonight. Therefore, Christian homes became a place where the church would meet. And so it was people like Aquila and Priscilla that said, I'll get that. I'll pick this up. Our home is open. We'll push back our furnishings and we'll make room for people to sit or stand and we'll teach the word of God. We're talking about the faithful, the faithful. Our journey through scripture tonight has been intentional. I wanted to 
pull back the veil, if you please, and remind us of the value of the church. I hope that by now you get the sense that we are not in this alone. We are in this together. And everybody has an important part to play. You see, Jesus died for us and to establish the church. And so we are in this together. Paul reminds us that this is not a game we're playing. He fought long and hard to establish the churches that established the churches that he planted with the help of the Lord. And so even in the closing of his letter, Paul listed the names of faithful people, and he said, These people, you can follow them. You can trust them. They're not going to get down the road and do some major U-turn. But you can follow them. You can trust them. I believe that there can be no higher calling for any human being than to be a faithful follower of the Lord. But I also believe that there could be no higher calling on this earth than to be upset of us that you can faithfully follow them. You can trust them. And so I'm thankful that we could be a follower of the Lord but God, let us be a man or a woman that is worthy to be followed. Amen. Live every day. The Apostle Paul, and, and I'll ask you to stand, but the Apostle Paul was not an egotistical man, not an arrogant man. He, um, he was quick to say it was the grace of God that had brought him where he was. He, he was completely... <coughs> and fully aware that without the Lord he would be nothing and so what I'm about to say does not fall from the pen of a man that is hung up on himself but Paul very humbly but confidently said follow me as I follow Christ my goodness my goodness follow me you can follow me you can trust me it'll be alright I know I have used this example privately many times, perhaps publicly, but I, I just can't get away from it this afternoon. It's been on my mind so much. But Brothers Mike and Brothers Pat Williams' father, Brother Jesse Williams, pastored in Fayetteville, North Carolina. And uh, he and his family went to Fayetteville many, many years ago, planted the church in that military town. Brother Jesse Williams served for several decades, many capacities in leadership of the United Pentecostal Church, not the least of which was the Assistant General Superintendent for many years. But when Brother Jesse Williams went to Fayetteville, planning that church, he worked at a steel mill, a company there in town, and he worked his way up through the ranks and was in a supervisory position when the church was large enough for him to go full-time. When he decided he would go full-time at the church and in ministry, he went to his job to resign, and the owner of the company refused his resignation and asked him to serve. The only way they would allow him to leave, so to speak, was if he would serve, agree to serve on the board of directors for that company. And all those many years... Brother Jesse Williams was on the board of directors of that steel mill when he died. I went to his funeral 
we would certainly think that after all of those years of ministry, and especially leadership ministry, that the house would be full of preachers. And it was. But I've never been so moved in a service as I was that service when I looked in that audience and in a reserve section, there sent businessmen and community leaders, many of which were associated with that steel mill. They were there themselves to bid farewell. The scripture talks about having a good report within and a good report without. And as I said in that audience that night, I thought, what a tremendous testimony. This wasn't just a bunch of ministers saying, this was a good man. But there were businessmen and leaders, not a few, that were in that audience that could raise their hands and say everything they're saying about him is true. He was a man you can follow. He's a man you can trust. I want to be that kind of person, don't you? I mean, our world needs people they can depend on. People they, they, can, they can calculate what your response to something is going to be. Not up and down, left and right, here and there. Amen. You're not all calm one moment, flying off the handle the next moment. They know the Spirit of God is controlling and, and re relegating our life. Amen. I want to be that kind of person. You can trust them. Amen. Let's love the Lord together, can we? Lord, I love you today. Thank you for your love. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806, or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.